Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Can a new comedy live up to its hilarious trailer, and can a new remake live up to its original film? We will find out. All that and more. Welcome. It's the Screening Room Podcast, and we're back. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. Thank you for uh, letting us go on vacation last week. We enjoyed it. It's kind of, we kept the theme going. We went to Hollywood. We did. We climbed, we hiked up to the top or the closest as you can get to the Hollywood sign. That, so, is, that is correct. You know, we kept it all in the in the Hollywood vibe. But we're back, and the Screening Room Podcast is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With their 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. I think we've both been looking to this, looking forward to this first film since we saw the trailer. When the puppet cast of an 80s children's TV show begins to get murdered one by one, a disgraced LAPD detective turned private eye puppet takes on the case, The Happy Time Murders. You two are the most decorated offices in this department. What do you see? Looks like a robbery gone wrong to me. This wasn't a robbery, this was a hit. Welcome! Someone out there <gasps> is killing puppets. Hey, handsome. You looking for some rotten cotton? I'm a woman. That's okay. Yeah, that's even better. Got a good time for you. <laughs> We're gonna catch the bastards who did these murders. Because bodies are gonna start piling up. You're one of the best damn cops I've ever seen. I'll have your badge for this. I'm in the fing FBI. Oh yeah, what's that stand for? Fing big idiot? <laughs> this was a great trailer. <laughs> it really wasn't. You know what? I had to edit down that the bit of the trailer you just heard was about all <laughs> that I and I had to bleep out a couple of things there. Uh, because yeah, <laughs> hilariously rude trailer, and you know what? This is this is one of the trailers that really tells it all from whether or not you're gonna like this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you first of all, you need to like Melissa McCarthy, and if you don't, I don't understand. But I I get that she's not everybody's uh, everybody's thing. You know what? I still don't get I, that. I don't understand I, it. I um, think she's hilarious. I no matter what she does, she's hilarious. But she, I guess, this goes back to that thing that we've talked about a lot that. A person's sense of humor sometimes yeah. is almost like their political affiliation. Oh, yeah. They will defend to the death. No, that is just not funny. Yeah. So it's hard to argue with somebody. Yeah. If you don't think it's funny, you don't think it's funny. But and then I the other thing, you really have to like raunchy humor. You do. And you'll get both those things in the trailer because right away it shows you, okay, here's the idea. It's these puppets. They're not Muppets, but they look like Muppets. Right. They right away. The, the, no are, sesame. All street. I love that. That's a great tagline. And they got, I don't know, did they get sued or they got cease and desisted or something? They didn't desist. They, no. didn't, they didn't cease. Uh, I love that tagline because it is the son of Jim Henson. Yes. Yes. Who, uh, who himself directed two of the Muppet films. He directed yeah. uh, two of the great ones, actually. Muppet Treasure Island, which you prefer, you like better than I do. And then the Muppet Christmas Carol, which is, as far as I'm concerned, the best version of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> it's, they're both good. Uh, and I, apparently this idea has been floating around the the Muppet universe for a while. Uh, and it finally got to the screen. And it takes the idea, basically kind of a Roger Rabbit yeah. idea, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Except instead of cartoons. You got these puppets, but it is. It's a. It's kind of a noir knockoff. There's a private investigator. There's a frame up. Yeah. Yep. It's. I mean, it's. There are things about it that are similar. Um. Although you know, um, the puppets are, are by no means the innocents that the cartoon characters tended to be. I mean, they're mostly almost all very seedy and addicted to one thing or another. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so you've got the rude humor of the puppets mixed with Melissa McCarthy. And even though, as we said, we like her all the time, I especially like her when she has that nasty edge. Yeah. 
because she can roll out some expletives with the best of oh, them. Oh, yes. Yes, she can. And she gets to do it here because she is the, the ex-partner of, uh, I guess, the main detective puppet. Put, Phil. Yeah, Phil. Phil Phillips. Uh, and they get put back on the case, you know, together again. Uh, even though they're at odds, and it, like you said, it's very noirish. All, all it's kind of oh, it's very, pulling, very, you know, having fun with uh, all the, those noir elements. But and it's just rude from start to finish. It is. And before you say it's a it's a one joke movie, you know, one trick pony. I mean, they do attempt some storytelling and some some characterizations and a surprise that may not be that much of a surprise at the end, but still. I didn't think it was as funny as I had hoped right. because that trailer made me think it was going to be a laugh riot. Yeah. But it wasn't. No. But I think it was funny enough to be worthwhile if you see the trailer and think, okay, I'm down for that. Yes. No, I agree with you. I mean, it's nasty. The sense of humor is nasty. And if that's your bag, I think that you will enjoy it. If it's not, you know, don't do it. By all means, don't put yourself through it because it's it's nasty. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a great deal of DNA. <laughs> there's a lot of puppet DNA in this film. <laughs> there is. There is. And and some fun. Everywhere. Yeah. Some sight gags and some, some funny lines as well. There are some dry spots. There are. Um, there's a pun in there somewhere about the proclivity of bodily fluids, but I will say there's some dry spots yes. in the humor. But, uh, yeah, not every joke lands. No, and, it doesn't. And there are there are too many stretches where um, where there aren't a lot of puppet goings on, and they just rely on Melissa McCarthy's foul mouth. And those, you know, you can't just say a bad word just to say it. I mean, right. there has to be in service of something. And sometimes those those scenes just don't work. Maya Rudolph. She proves she's an MVP again. She is an MVP again. She is great in this movie. She is hilarious, and her dry and yet physical comedy is yeah. perfect. She can. Take a supporting character, as she's shown now in several movies, mm. and really just get to the meat of it and oh, make yeah. a character and make it really, yeah, an MVP. Some, because every movie needs them. Yes. Uh, these types of supporting characters. And she is. She's she's a good one in this again. And you've got a few more familiar faces. Joel McHale uh, shows up. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks. Banks shows up. Uh, and you've got the, the guy that um, voices Phil Phillips is, is one of those voices where you think, I know that guy. He's... A celebrity voice. Well, not really. He's just a long-time Muppet voice. Yeah, he does. He does King Prawn. Uh, you know, and he he filled in for some of the ones that you know uh, the, the the original voices are no longer there. So he does Rolf the dog. Um, he does the Swedish Chef. You know, he does a lot of Muppet voices. Yeah, his name's Bill Beretta, and he does a lot of different voices in this movie as well. Yes, so yeah. very skillful voice actor, which, as we've said before, is not easy. No. You know, not everybody can do it just no. because you're maybe a good actor actor doesn't mean you're a good voice actor, but he obviously is and uh, teams up well. You know, the the puppeteering is fantastic. It is. And it's, it is. And I want to go back to Melissa McCarthy because she, you know, I, I got to think that it might be hard to to have chemistry with a puppet. <laughs> right. But she does. I mean, they make a great Pair. Yeah. They really do. And it's the kind of movie where you know, you know at the outset there's going to be some bloopers. Yeah. But the cool thing about the bloopers at the end of this is it shows you how they're doing the puppets. They show you the puppeteers. Yeah. Yes. That's definitely very, very fun. It's, yeah. it's super fun. So it's definitely worth sticking around for. You really don't have to stick around long. No. They get to it pretty yeah, quickly. No. But but even beyond being funny, as bloopers you know usually are, there's a, they're good for a gag, you get to see how they do some of this. Because in these, it's a lot more than just... You know, a puppet uh, on a on a table or a desk. They're walking. They're running. Oh yeah, these puppets. And like, how do they pull that off? Well, they show you. Yeah. At the end. So again, it didn't land as a movie as hilarious as we thought it might be because right. of the trailer. But still, 
if you're down for that, then uh, I think you're going to get enough we laughs both enjoyed it. to make it worthwhile. That's the Happy Time Murders. And next up is a remake of a classic from the 70s, wrongly convicted for murder. Henri Cherrier forms an unlikely friendship with fellow inmate and quirky convicted counterfeiter Louis Degas in an attempt to escape from the notorious penal colony on Devil's Island. It's the new version of Papillon. This is a frame-up. Hey, Papillon, right? Got any money? Get some. Never escape without it. Louis Degas. Guy's a millionaire. Won't last long. You got a lot of eyes on you, my friend. Keep me alive. I'll underwrite any escape you care to arrange. Something tells me you can be quite savage. You are the property of the penal administration of French Guiana. There's no way off. There's always a way. Hey, are you French? I'm not. Could you tell by my <laughs> by my accent? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. This is, of course, the remake of the 1973 classic with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. And the director is Michael Knorr, who has done a lot of a lot of documentaries, a few features, but maybe not much that you've heard of. But he doesn't change a whole lot in this movie. Um, but he, he really the main thing he changes is the tone. It kind of working it inward with the characters and, and instead of focusing just on the physical toll of this ordeal, tries to get more spiritual, more metaphysical, mm-hmm. you know, more mm-hmm. psychological inside the ordeal. But the story is pretty much the same. And it's all based on this book that, since it was first written by Henri, has, has come to be classified as a biographical novel. Because right. since it came out, it was supposed to be his story. And even though he really was imprisoned on, in this penal colony, the rest of the details of the book that he said were true, uh, a lot of doubt has been cast. Sure. But, so they just called it a biographical novel. Well, it but makes it, for a good movie. It does. It makes for a good story. It's still compelling. You know, it focuses mainly on these, these two characters. And uh, Steve McQueen's role is Papillon, who gets his name. His name is Henri, but his, he gets his nickname from the French word for butterfly. Because he has a tattoo. He has a butterfly tattoo, yeah. He's the bruiser. He's he's framed for, for murder. It's Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam, who is better than I think he's ever been. Mm. Uh, he was from Sons of Anarchy mm. mainly, and then he's done, oh, he was in Pacific Rim, which was terrible. But then he's done some other films. But here, he I think he's more impressive and more committed to the character than I've than I've ever seen him anyway. And, uh, yeah, he's the bruiser. He's the guy who uh, is able to give Louis, played by uh, Rami Malek, from Mr. Robot. He's also going to be Freddie Mercury in the new Queen biopic. And if you've seen those trailers, it looks a lot like him. That comes out in November. So we'll see about that. But anyway, and he's even better. He's very good. He usually is. Taking on the Dustin Hoffman role, and he kind of takes the the basic characterization that Dustin Hoffman did and adds his own little quirks. Uh, to, to make it his own. So I think the two of them really hold up their end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. They really do. And they get to become friends because Louis has a lot of money when he came into the prison, and uh, he is able to offer Henri some of that money to be his protector, keep him safe until they can hatch an escape plan. So they become thrown together that way and then come to lean on each other throughout the, the uh, trials and tribulations of trying to survive and trying to escape this penal colony. And in Henri, I think, Louis sees um, a defiance and a commitment that he doesn't have within himself. And he, he tends to, they, they become in, pretty much inseparable uh, throughout the ordeal in these multi, in these different prisons and trying to survive. 
and the direction from Noah sets a good contrast between really the two settings. You know, inside the prison, mm-hmm. nothing but blood and sweat and despair. Right, you know, right. And then you've got the outside and panoramic vistas and and beautiful landscapes sometimes. So that sets a nice contrast. The freedom that they will never have. Right. Most of them will never have, but most of them almost from the beginning are dreaming of trying to escape. Right. In fact, when all the new inmates come in, come in, the warden, first thing he says, if you want to escape, be my guest. You want to try to escape, be my guest because you're going to die or we're going to catch you and then punish you even further. So, uh, and one of those punishments is to be taken from the original penal colony where they are in French Guiana to Devil's Island, which is just an island, which is even harder to escape from, and they just keep trying. So if you've seen the original movie, you know how it comes out, and uh, then, again, not a lot of changes are made in, the, in this movie, although the one main, I think, one thing that stu- stood out to me is there's a famous scene in the original Papillon about a wasted life, and it's sort of a dreamlike sequence, sort of a half-consciousness sequence, and they change that to a different... They don't really take that wasted life track with it, which I I know what they were trying to do, but I think that theme of a wasted life might have even been more fitting in, in the way this remake was done. But still, it's an interesting type of quote-unquote dream sequence that they do in this movie, but that was the one thing that jumped out to me that they changed. But still, the the uh, adventure, I guess the ordeal is compelling. Uh, sometimes the adventure, uh, very tense, and everything is well put together, but in trying to go after these bigger themes that really transcend the the whole ordeal, I don't think they quite get there. Mm. Uh, and, it, you know, it does have a close to two-and-a-half-hour yeah, running time, yeah. as the first one did. The mm-hmm. first one was long as well. Uh, so it does get to feel a little bit long. But still, there's a there's a, a lot of really solid filmmaking elements here. I think just in the end, it didn't come together completely for for the type of experience they were going for. Mm. But definitely some things to like about the new Papillon. And one more to talk about, this one in limited release, a new documentary. It's a portrait of unsung Hollywood legend Scotty Bowers, whose best-selling memoir chronicled his decades spent as a sexual procurer to the stars. It's called Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Have you guys thought of doing something with that guy, Scotty Bowers? Scotty Bowers had this gas station, and he supplied men and women to the various Hollywood stars. People disappearing up in a trailer and doing this and that, the whole thing was fun. He wasn't simply this madam called for events. Scotty's revealing that these people were real, flesh and blood, like us. It can add up to an awful lot of people, into the thousands. If it wasn't for this guy, I would have sank. I often think back of how nice things were. I felt good that I made so many people happy. <laughs> So Brandon Thomas wrote this one for us. Welcome, Brandon, to the Wolf Pack, the Mad yes. Wolf Pack. While we were on vacation, he wrote this one up for us. And um, as we did, he really liked this one as in, in how it uh, not only gave a presentation of this man, Scotty Bowers, who mm-hmm. no one... still alive. He is still alive. And, of course, he wrote this book. But a real glimpse into a part of Hollywood that... Back then, nobody knew about. Right, and it's funny because it doesn't necessarily come off as like a salacious tell-all, although that is kind of what it is. And yeah. part of the reason that it kind of sidesteps that is because Scotty is such a, a fascinating and sort of joyous central figure, and he's in it. He's in it all over the place, and he just talks about it, just reminisces, you know, and uh, and and it's just, of course, some of the stuff that he did and the people that he did it with yeah. that you just jaw-dropping. Uh, very, very eyebrow-raising. I mean, you could call him a pimp to the stars, yeah. pretty much. But he kind of defends himself against the tell-all nature of this by saying, you know, it's important to show these people as real people who 
even though nobody knew it at the time, were engaging in all these things that would have gotten them thrown in jail yeah. had it been, you know, common knowledge. And, and and to be fair, most of it wouldn't today. So, you know, it's, yeah. it, it really was. And I think the other thing that, that helps out is that, you know, it, it would be easy to see him as sort of seedy himself, mm-hmm. but he just comes off as oh, yeah. genuinely just wanting to make people happy. Exactly right. And it's another case where it really shows you, you know, the difference in today's society about how, how then you, you could you could hide things. Right. You know, pu- public figures <laughs> yeah. could hide things. And in some cases, they did it with the cooperation of the press. Sure. They, they had deals about, hey, let's not go there, you know, which is just unheard of oh, today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody, let alone stars, nobody has any privacy. No. And it really drives that point home without, you know, beating you over the head with it. Right. Just let you see this was how it was. And people had to come to people like Scotty. To you know, be happy. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's put it that way. So, yeah, it's uh, it uncovers a lot of things you didn't know, and it focuses on somebody who is very just a fascinating character, and his um, his effervescence for trying to make people happy is really translates yeah. uh, throughout the movie. So yeah, very interesting, and uh, we all liked it. That's Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood, and that means it's time to go to the lobby. How about a snack? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Once again, milk duds for you and the very cold, hopefully they keep them frozen, Reese cups for me. So we won't argue about candy anymore. We'll argue about the couple of, I don't think we'll argue too much about the, the couple out on home entertainment uh, this week. Uh, Deadpool 2, we had a slight disagreement on this you didn't like it quite as much as i did no i did like it i thought it was funny uh i felt like it spun itself into being what it originally parodied but it was still very funny i mean that's a good point i see maybe why you thought that way i i didn't feel that way about Mm -hmm. it that it became what it parodied but i thought it was very entertaining and and maybe a, a just a tick funnier than the first one um, and it's it's very simple. If you liked the first one, you'll like this one. If you liked Looper, you'll like this one. <laughs> That's right. You brought that up at the time. It uh, recycles quite a few elements yeah. from from the story of Looper with a lot more attitude in it. But uh, yeah, I liked it even a little bit more than you did, but we both still uh, liked Deadpool 2. We also liked a movie that slipped through a lot of cracks, I think, and it's a movie that establishes the later in career resurgence of Ethan Hawke and his first reform. And Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader, So yeah. the, the guy, if you don't know, who wrote Taxi Driver, which is my favorite Martin Scorsese movie. It's my favorite Robert De Niro movie. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies. And a great reason for that is the amazing script. And it's just, I mean, Schrader has gone through ups and downs in his career, mostly downs. <laughs> and it was great to see him come back with us. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke, again, shows he's doing the best work of his career yeah. right now. Uh, he stars as a s- small town, small town preacher uh, who's got some um, he's got some issues, and uh, the people around him have some issues. In fact, somebody who uh, a young woman uh, played by Amanda Seyfried who comes to him for some counsel. Her husband is having some troubles, and uh, some actions that they take spiral events uh, toward a dramatic conclusion for uh, the small town preacher played by Ethan Hawke, and it's. It pokes at a lot of different themes, it does. and it and it does it in a very stark, uh, very unsentimental, yes, unsentimental, intimate type of storytelling with with good performances all around. Yes, very. And it's a movie that'll have you have you thinking. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's solid. So uh, we would recommend First Reformed out on 
home video, DVD, and all the uh, outlets this week. Looking ahead to next week, one we're actually going to see tonight uh, called Searching. That's yep. with John Cho about a missing daughter that he tries. I think most of it takes place on the computer yeah. screen. Yeah. I think So it's another one of those. So we'll see how they pull that off. Also, The Bookshop, which I know next to nothing about. Right. Little Stranger, which the, we saw last we week. We just saw uh, last week. We're still trying to process that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Also, a couple others, Juliet Naked and Kin. Lot. Yeah. A lot of stuff comes out next a week. A lot of, with the late summer. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about these movies, especially maybe the Happy Time Murders, because I can already tell this is going to be a very polarizing movie. Yes. I'm looking at some of the early, early reviews, some of the other reviews besides ours. And uh, some are very good. Some are hideously yes, bad. Yes. So like to know where you fall on that spectrum with the Happy Time Murders. Also, of course, Papillon and Scotty, The Secret History of Hollywood. And, you know, if you want to comment on my French speaking, we <laughs> uh, oui, oui. Feel free to do that. <laughs> Easiest way to find us is on Twitter. And uh, that is Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. We love to talk movies and more. On there, and also on Facebook and Instagram, we're Mad Wolf Columbus. You can always dial up the main website for our written reviews and a lot more fun. In fact, our other podcast, our horror movie-only podcast, Fright Club, you can find there on the website at madwolf.com. So lots going on. The Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Keep in touch if you can. Until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.